Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Many meanings, uh, more than one meaning at least, to uh, that word. Judson being the name of our first Baptist missionary that went to Burma. And if you go to Burma, you'll find places there with hospitals by that name, Judson Hospital, schools by that name, Judson School, and uh, there's a college in uh, Illinois where a couple of my sons thought about going, Good Baptist College, and it's called Judson College. So there's a lot of different meanings uh, when you hear a word, Judson, or any other uh, word for that matter. And sometimes there are deep, deeper meanings to those words as well, something that goes beyond just the, the surface, the initial thought that you might have when you hear a particular word. One of those words is the word fishing. Jesus used the word fishing uh, with his disciples because they were fishermen and they knew what fishing was all about. Uh, And when he used that word, he was thinking of one thing, but when the disciples uh, thought of that word, they thought of something else. For example, the disciples being fishermen, they were what you would call net fishermen. They went out with these nets and, and cast them into the water and kind of uh, scared the fish and, and uh, so on until they swam towards the net and, then, and they were caught. But you and I, when we think of fishing, we think of a bait and a hook, don't we? You put your worm or whatever it is on the end of the hook, throw the hook in the water, and you catch the fish that way and the fish can't get away. Fishing was something that the disciples understood, and fishing is something that we can understand as well today, but we need to understand what it was that Jesus had in mind when he talked to the disciples about being fishers of men. At the very beginning of his ministry, Jesus said, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Fishing for the disciples prior to this had just been a way to make a living. They needed to keep body and soul together, like all of us, and so they had found Uh, that fishing was a way to make a living, selling the fish and providing for yourself a livelihood. So beginning at uh, this point, they were given, though, a new idea of what fishing was all about, beyond just earning a living. Their new image of what fishing was about was uh, to cast a spiritual net into the world around them and then draw people or guide people into the kingdom of heaven. You and I are called to be fishers of men, we're called also in our world to guide and direct and to lead people as best we can into the net of uh, God's kingdom. Now there's a lot of symbolism there in in the scripture passage that was read this morning. There's the fact that the net didn't break. Uh, You know, some people see that as the the church is large enough to gather in all different kinds of people and it will never uh, be full. There will never be a, a point at which no more people can enter the church. Or other people see the 153 fish that were caught in the net, that that's the number of people groups or the number of languages uh, that would be reached with the gospel. And of course we know today that there are well more than 150-some people groups in the church universal and and more than that number of uh, language groups as well. So some of that uh, uh, symbolism is something that people just like to add to the story. Uh, There's a lot of symbolism. Sometimes symbolism goes to the point of uh, hyperbole. And hyperbole means it's overstatement. So uh, Jesus used overstatement sometimes. He would say, uh, if your uh, right arm offends you, cut it off. 
or if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Now, Jesus wasn't advocating we all go out and hack our arms off or pull our eyes out. That wasn't at all what he meant, was it? It was a hyperbole. It was an overstatement. So Jesus is uh, sometimes overstating his case, as all of us do from time to time, and sometimes he's very literal in what he means. And this time Jesus was saying, become fishers of men. Reach out to the people around you with the good news about Jesus. Then there's a second illustration here in this chapter that talks about, it's maybe more like a, um, a character quality than a, uh, an illustration. And that was Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. Do you love me more than these? Now the old way of loving people was, you know, just care for them, take care of them, and so on. And so Peter was quick to answer, yes, Lord, I love you. And he used the word in Greek that means brotherly love, like the city of Philadelphia is supposed to be the city of brotherly love. And so Peter said to uh, Jesus, yes, uh, you're a good brother. I, I will love you and care for you like I would any brother. But Jesus didn't stop there, do you love me, with once. But Jesus said it three times, do you love me, Peter? Jesus was trying to emphasize, this was so important to Jesus that he asked Peter three times, do you love me? This was a total commitment kind of love. It was a deeper kind of love, a love that went beyond just uh, the superficial kind of thing when we think of love. Jesus was wanting Peter to say, yes, I'm totally committed 100% to what you want me to do with my life. And that was what Jesus wanted to hear from Peter. Peter had, after all, denied Jesus three times, and so Jesus wanted to make sure. Now, you know, you denied me three times. I want to make sure that you really, you know, you're not just taking this superficially, but this is real, real love, deep, total commitment. Uh, one, someone that really wants to be involved in someone else's life in a total way, that is real deep love. Jesus had a follow-up to that directive about love, too. Jesus wanted Peter to feed my lambs or to feed my sheep. Now, the old way of uh, feeding lambs or feeding the sheep would be to do as they did in Jesus' time. And Peter and the disciples saw lots of uh, people taking care of sheep on the hillsides there in Judea and in Galilee. And that was they just uh, led the sheep around and made sure there was grass for them to eat and water for them to drink. That was just providing for them nutrients uh, that they could survive. It was a shared responsibility to be uh, in this feeding of sheep business. And so when uh, uh, Jesus was talking to Peter about feed my sheep, uh, Peter immediately saw John behind him and said, well, what about him? You know, uh, what about, what's he going to do to this feeding of the sheep business? And Jesus said, uh, don't worry about uh, uh, John, Peter. I've got a task for John, is what he was saying. But you, do you love me? Will you feed my sheep? And he had a deeper meaning for that word feed. It would be what we would say is the word shepherd today. And a shepherd is one who cares for the sheep in all different kinds of ways. My two uh, bachelor uncles uh, lived over the hill from me. Floyd and Ed Humphrey were their names. My grandmother's two younger brothers. And these two fellows took care of sheep. They were, they were real shepherds. 
As I grew up over the hill from them, oftentimes they'd call up on the phone and say, Ernest, send one of your boys over here to help me. You know? And uh, Ernest would send one of his boys over there. He had seven boys, so you know, he didn't know whether there was one missing or not sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> send one more over the hill, it wouldn't matter. You know? so, uh, so Dad would send one of us over there, and, and first we'd watch Ed or Floyd do whatever had to be done, and then we had to participate. And uh, they took care of doctoring the sheep, uh, putting drops in their eyes and shoving uh, pills down their throat with this kind of a uh, pill dispenser kind of thing. They trimmed their hooves and they, uh, they uh, took care of the wool, sheared the wool off of them. Uh, they built fence for them to keep out the... In those days, we had trouble with packs of dogs running around the neighborhood and sometimes those dogs would get in and, uh, and, and mess up the sheep. So... There were all kinds of ways in which those two men, Ed and Floyd Humphrey, had to care for the sheep. It was something beyond just feeding the sheep. They were real shepherds. And that's what Jesus wanted Peter to be in relationship to the people that he would reach with the good news about Jesus. Shepherds would do anything and everything for the sheep in order to take care of them. And then as a follow-up to this idea of fishing in a new way, and loving in a new way, and uh, feeding or shepherding in a new way, Jesus says there will also be a new way of going. Going. Jesus wanted his disciples to go, and we'll read next week, I believe it is, in the Great Commission, go into all the world. Now for us to think of going, we think of, okay, I'm going to get out and get my car and get down the road or wherever it is that I'm going to. Uh, to go where we want to go. Uh, we decide, okay, this morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to go and get myself some coffee and I'm going to uh, drive down the road to work and all of these things are things that we decide. We've planned. We know what we're going to do and I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to go where I want to go and I'm not going to go where I don't want to go. And so Jesus had to introduce to Peter this whole idea of going isn't where you want to go and going isn't going to be what you want to do all the time, but sometimes there will be times when you will be asked to go where you don't want to go. And you're going to be asked to do what you don't want to do. And so Jesus illustrated that in the life of Peter. Now fortunately, I doubt any of us here will be forced to do what Peter had to do. He was led to the cross just like Jesus was. And Peter was felt unworthy to be crucified the same way Jesus was, so he asked to be crucified upside down so that he wouldn't be like Jesus in that way, even in his death. So, you know, none of us are going to be asked to go to the cross to be crucified. But there might be some difficult uh, decisions about where we go in our life and what we need to do for the Lord. And so going, going into all the world may be something that's beyond your thought right now when you think about, okay, I'm willing to go where Jesus wants me to go but there might be something in mind that Jesus has for you that might be something that you don't necessarily want to go and do. Difficult decisions in deciding where it is we will go for Jesus, but we need to be open to going where Jesus wants us to go. The Moravian Church, a good evangelical church, conservative church, they have an a image uh, that serves as the, their symbol, kind of like the image you see up here in the, on the uh, screen. Uh, their image is twofold like that image is. Uh, 
the one image is the image of an uh, ox pulling a plow in the old-fashioned days when they plowed with oxen. And it has one image of an ox pulling a plow. And then right beside that image is an ox on an altar ready to be sacrificed. And the Moravians underneath their image, their symbol of their church, they put this, uh, this phrase, we leave the choice to God. See, we leave the choice to God. They are willing to either be the ox that pulls the plow and works a lifetime, or they're willing to be the ox that's the sacrificial ox on the altar and give their life in service to God. Go either way uh, for uh, their Lord. There's an also, uh, also a, a new way and an old way or a deeper way and a superficial way of thinking about the word telling. Jesus says we're going to go and tell the good news about the gospel. And the old way and the way of the Pharisees of Jesus' time to uh, tell uh, someone about something was you just, you know, you, you told them about the scripture. And so the Pharisees, they could tell you uh, how many words were in a particular psalm. Uh, they could tell you how many letters uh, were in a particular um, book of the Bible in the Old Testament. Uh, they could memorize all kinds of stuff, all the kings of Israel and all the prophets and what they did. They would put out the facts and then they would interpret the facts according to what they felt uh, they meant. That was their way of telling, to repeat what you've heard and to add to it whatever you thought was missing. Kind of sounds like some things that happen in our world today. Some of the telling uh, that goes on is not all exactly what it appears to be. But for Jesus, there's a new way of telling. Telling the good news about him involves telling your own story. You didn't just repeat the facts. Those are important to know that James and John and Peter were Jesus' disciples. But more importantly was to apply what being a disciple means in your own life. And so you tell your own story. When you're telling the story of Jesus, you should be telling your own story about what Jesus has done for you. And so telling takes on a whole different, deeper meaning than just repeating the facts and adding to them as it suits you in any particular time. What is it that you can tell about what Jesus has done for you or what Jesus is right now doing for you in your life? That's the kind of telling that Jesus wants us to have as Christian disciples today. And there's a personality-based uh, dimension to this telling. And that's what we're going to talk about next Saturday at our association meeting. What style of telling do you have? All of us have unique personalities. I'm different than you are, and, and you're different than your brother or sister or mother or dad or whoever. We're all different because we have different personalities. And God treats us uniquely with a gift that he gives to us so that we can tell about him and tell about what Jesus has done in our life according to this, this, the personality gift, the, the personality that we have. And so my way of telling about Jesus will be different than your way of telling about Jesus. It's a Holy Spirit-gifted style because when we become Christians, uh, the Holy Spirit enters into our life and he equips us according to our personality to tell the story of Jesus to those people around us. And finally, then, all of these illustrations, uh, the old way of, uh, of fishing and the new way of fishing, uh, 
the old way of loving and the new way of loving, the old way of feeding and the new way of, of feeding, shepherding, the old way of going and the new way of going, and the old way of telling and a new way of telling, uh, result in a new way of being. Uh, being is one of those words uh, that's different, isn't it? Uh, my being is who I am. Um, and then the, he is uh, at the center of my being. Or Jesus is the greatest being of all beings. For many people in the world, their way of being is based on, well, just doing the best I can, and I'm, I'm going to get out there, and I'm going to take all my strength and all my independence and everything I can do to just be what I can be getting the most out of life as it comes to me, earning whatever I've got. I've made it. I'm a self-made person. That's kind of the American idea of being. This is not all bad, of course, but there's a better way of being. Jesus says that if we're going to be his kind of being, uh, that we need to spend time with him. And so we come and gather like we do this morning to worship and, and ask the Lord Jesus to be in our presence and, and to speak to us as we worship. We spend time being with Jesus in prayer, asking him to accept our praise and thanksgiving for all of what he's done for us, but also asking him to help us to live the kind of being in this world, uh, whether we're fishing or telling or going or what we're doing, whatever we're doing with our being, to do it with his help and to help those around us who need help with their being. Being an abundant, lavish, even an extravagant life. Jesus says he's come to give us life, and life not just any old ordinary life, but life abundant, a real being, a real extravagant kind of life. We can do that as we read the scripture, as we understand what he wants us to do with our life, as we fellowship with other Christians, as we learn together, as we walk in a community of faith, such as a church a family is a community of faith. And through that, we can become all of what Jesus wants us to become. We can be the being that he wants us to be. So today, as you look at your life and as you think about your way of interpreting words, do you just take the first word you see, like Judson, and that's it? Or do you try to go beyond that? Do you go into a deeper meaning, a, a new way of understanding? So that's the challenge I want to leave with you this week. As you go about your fishing, as you go about your loving, as you go about your feeding and shepherding and going and telling, that you will be all of what God wants you to be because you've taken that second step. You've gone beyond just the old superficial way of it into the deeper new way of being for Jesus. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are with us. We are thankful, Lord, for being uh, our Savior, our Lord, our King, our example, our sacrifice, our Savior. And you've even said that we can call you our friend. And so, Lord Jesus, if there's some person here today that has not yet taken that second step, gone into the deeper meaning of what it means to be 
a follower of Jesus, that today might be that day, that they'd go beyond just understanding Jesus as somebody from long ago, but they would understand that Jesus can be all of what we've talked about here this morning. He can be their Lord and their Savior and their friend. We pray, Lord, that even as we need to make decisions today, that you would enable us through the power of your Spirit to make those decisions. In Jesus' name, amen.